This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, where you don't know if us saying Uncle BJ is a search term on Pornhub or our guest. I'm your co-host, Yvette Dantaran. Here is my lovely co-host, Alice Vaughn. Alice, I think that was our introduction, even if I was just trying to practice it. Alice, how are you doing today, <laughs> baby cakes? I'm, I was... And here's the outro. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Two Girls, One Mike, the podcast. Ask, have you looked through my search history? Jesus. Now I know I don't have to. It's the same oh. as mine. So and now I want to go to Thanksgiving at your house. Oh, it's horrific. I just want to meet your uncle. Oh, he doesn't exist. Or Actually, he's in Poland, so we I definitely haven't seen him since I was like 11. Now it's not funny. Oh, no, so it's for not. those of you guys who have not listened to our, the Patreon content yet, which you should, which you should sign up for a Patreon, we have a, a friend of ours joining us today, Mr. BJ Kramer, who we're just going to call Uncle BJ from now on. By all means, knock <laughs> yourself out. It'll just be dirtier. We like that. I am so glad my niece is not going to ever, ever <laughs> listen to this. Which one out of 27? Oh, the only one I actually love, the one I'm not related to. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. No, my ex-wife and her husband, who I call my husband-in-law, have a darling child who calls me Uncle BJ, and she's the best. And then I have, how many did I say it was? 27, 27. nieces and nephews, some number of which uh, would refer to me as Uncle BJ. The others probably know me as the heretic that they don't talk to. Oh, do you really? Like, are there no, some I'm not kidding. They'll all happily talk to me, okay. but I am a family heretic. That's true. Are you the only one that left uh, Orthodox Judaism? I have one gay nephew who nonetheless stays basically within the community. Uh, wow. He's not really closeted. He's just, you know, very, very polite and accommodating and nobody talks about it, but uh, he's a great guy. How is that treated within the Orthodox community? Very not treated. Nobody acknowledges it. Wow. Doesn't exist. That's painful. Luckily, I have so many nephews that I'm not actually identifying any individual person. So no outing happening here. There's probably three of them that are like, how does he know? <laughs> <laughs> you are almost certainly right. I can't believe I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. Look, statistically, you got that many. There are yeah, one in 10. Probably two or three. Yeah. There's at least one lesbian in there, probably. Probably more. Oh, yeah. One lesbian, yeah. a couple of bi kids. So speaking of things the Orthodox community does or doesn't do, mm. panties. Let's talk about that because, uh, yeah, no, I want to yes. get into uh, the Orthodox panties. And, okay, wait, maybe I should rephrase that. Who? <laughs> you really don't want to. <laughs> we want we want to get into the topic of the Orthodox panties because I, I – right, let's let's start with the punchline. Every community rabbi has a panty drop box. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. They wait do. a minute. Our listeners who have no idea anything about this, rewind. So how do I become an Orthodox rabbi is what I'm asking. <laughs> oh, God. Do you really want to? No, no, no. I just want the panty drop box. No, no. That, that's what no, I'm I really wondering. Don't. You really don't want the panty drop box. I kid because I know exactly what the deal is because you've told yes. me this before. But we, this story is like a beloved Christmas story. I love hearing it every time. It's horrifying. Tell me. So remind me. It's like a husband and wife, they can't have any sexual relations until like seven days following the end of a woman's period, right? When a mommy and daddy love <laughs> each other very much. Oh God. <laughs> or when they decided they have to make babies because they're being nagged to death. So the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, benevolent creator of the universe is very much up in women's beeswax. And the Old Testament has a variety of rules about women's hoo-hahs and how they are handled. One of the biggies is 
basically no banging during the period. Pretty straightforward. But also not for a week following the end of a woman's period. Additionally, there's even longer periods of time, periods of time, following childbirth, but separate. I have a friend who's in a messianic. They're Christians, but they follow the Old Testament. It's very weird, but it's like 40 days for a boy and 80 days for a girl. I forgot the numbers. It's too much, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah by yeah. the way, you seem to be struggling there for a moment of religion versus cult. And by the way, there is a perfect distinguishing rule because at the top of every cult is a person who knows it's bullshit. In a religion, that person is dead. dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very simple, committed to memory. You'll never have a problem again. This is why Scientology is a religion. My friends are in a cult, and the person who founded it is close to death. Which mm, is, okay. Which, yeah, is, that, which makes it kind of doomsday-ish. No, it's great. They get a tax break. Any minute now. Oh, yeah. Long story. Anyways, back to, back to you, my friend. <laughs> anyway, so there's all kinds of additional restrictions. But the Orthodox basically treat can't have sex as cannot even touch each other, oh. cannot hand something to each other, have to be in separate beds when they sleep with more than an arm's length distance between them. That's same in the cults. Ah, the yeah. rules are extraordinarily strict. But here's the thing. After the period is done, a woman is required to wear white panties in order to be able to detect any kind of spotting, which would indicate that the period is not really complete. Mm. If there is obvious spotting, the seven-day count starts over again. Not only that, but the woman is expected to take little white cloths and shove it up on in there and twirl it around and then examine the discoloration on said cloths. And any significant robust level of pinkage or even a rosé needs to be adjudicated. Adjudicated is just such a, an they, awful thing. They put thing. the Jew in adjudicated. <laughs> and, oh, God. Your vaginal drippings will be judged before God. And rabbis have to become, you know, the masters when it comes to examining women's oh. discharge. Hold okay. on. It's really important to recognize that at the end of the seven days. Is that something they teach in rabbi school? Yes. Like you have to like sit there and sniff the brand to. No, oh, no. Man. Yeah, well, color charts and stuff. Yes. Oh, God. The important thing to know. This is too is that pink. At the end of the seven days of clean. I have a Panantone scale. Yeah. <laughs> Pantone, yeah. If you cannot tell light blush from ivory, you're out. Okay, I, I know we're going to take too much time on this, but it's wonderful, so we're going to do it. Oh, no, this is fine. It's <laughs> great. At the end of the seven clean days, the woman goes to the ritual bath, and upon emergence goes home and bangs her husband. I mean, it's not even <gasps> she may. That's what they are supposed to do. This is sex night when she comes back. Now, that means that if during that seven days she actually was supposed to have restarted, that means that when they had sex, she was still on her period, and they both burn in hell for eternity. Oh, well, lovely. Not really. Burning in hell for eternity is not a Jewish thing, but it's it's bad. You don't want to go there. So you guys took that shit really, really, really seriously. seriously. So in order to make sure that they didn't accidentally commit that horrible, horrible sin, if a woman is unsure about the discoloration on her white underwear, 
she goes to the rabbi's house and they have this drop box usually filled with like envelopes, you know, nice little brown post office kind of envelopes. Put it in there, write her phone number on it. No name, no identifying information, just a phone number. The rabbi will then periodically (laughs) grab all the envelopes. And then by daylight, specifically by daylight, outdoors, will examine the stains. And depending on the degree of color, will call back that phone number and say, thumbs up or thumbs down. And that's basically the deal. And if they get a thumbs down, seven days start over. And, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but according to Jewish law, women can't be the judges and can't make illegal rulings. And that's why the rabbi has to do it, correct? Ah, Okay, so interestingly enough, a woman is allowed to make certain halachic pronunciations, Jewish law uh, rules, on her own, not in any kind of criminal case, which is what is mostly understood, but certain parts of this kind of thing. Like, for instance, she is allowed to say that her period ended, you know, and you don't have to have a man, like, get up there you know, and pronounce it. You don't have to hire a gynecologist to determine if it's true or not. So there are certain things, but this level of like Pantone color matching that requires a rabbi. I don't think it's because oh. a woman is not trusted in terms of testimony. I think it's because there's a level of expertise required. I actually had to do this back in the Stop. day only once. Yes. It was when my family lived in Los Angeles, not me personally. My parents lived in Los Angeles from 2000 to 2010. And my darling ex-wife and I were back then. By the way, best divorce ever. I, my, I, when I say my darling ex-wife, I mean it. She and her husband are really like my best friends. I love Aww. them. Pieces. And very lucky person. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know if that came out you know, for audio people, but I'm a very, very fortunate person. Yeah. Anyway, you know, this was like the day before screw day. And like we were, we were really looking forward to that. And um, oh there was this stain, and I had to. It became like this was a Friday night, and I had to go to the rabbi right before we go to Shul to synagogue, and explain to him the situation. And it was too late in the day for him to make a direct examination, so I had to describe the color to him because. As a sympathetic rabbi, he was trying to find a way to say it was okay. He's trying so, to let you get bangs. Trying, That's yeah. He was rabbi. really, he was on my side. He was in my corner. He was that creepy perv sitting there <laughs> watching me. You know, he was like, what was, what's the, was it Oral Roberts? No, who's the the big university evangelist guy who was busted watching his wife bang his, the pool boy. Oh, um, shit. It's just happened. I, I know which one you're talking about. Well, the I... joke is completely gone now, but that's the guy I was trying to remember yeah, the name of. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oral oh. Roberts is what comes to mind, but that's yeah. not the right guy. Not Franklin That's, that's a different, no. you know, religious is there pervert. Just Jerry Falwell. University. Guy. Yeah. Yep, yep. Jerry Falwell Jr., that's the one. Right. Right. Although, come on. Let's go back to Oral. Is Oral the best name ever for He fell well. Yeah. (laughs) So going back, I have a question. So how, okay, what is an acceptable still level of color of discharge? I mean, okay, if it's not hypothetically ghost white or baby powder or snow or floral white, like, are Mm -hmm. we getting into like rose tints? What if it's a little bit on a yellow or browner or like what? So when... (laughs) When you go to brunch, if you don't get a Bloody Mary or a mimosa, you're generally having some kind of pinkish wine, right? Yeah. Rosé, yeah. 
The basic bitch of wines, yes. Yeah. I have nowhere to go from here, but I'm saying a basic bitch wine color is kind of basic the, the threshold, somewhere around there. Yeah, actually, that the, the basic bitch wine color is is probably fine. I think you have to go a little uh, <laughs> on the burgundy side of it uh, in order to have a problem. Okay. You know what's funny? All of this crazy story is not the craziest thing about Orthodox Judaism. I mean, it's up there. It is. Let's hear the thing that you, like, in order to leave people with the, you need to understand this to know how crazy it is. Like, what's the thing that you, like, here's something at the heart of it. Okay. I mean, this would take much too much time, so let's not do it. But we could play a game where you could say any life activity or thing, and I could tell you a rule about it. There is a rule about everything. There is a particularly correct way. Playing video games. Turning on your dishwasher. Oh, well, I mean, first of all, both of those have Sabbath implications for oh, okay. sure. okay. <laughs> right, there's that. Dishwasher has huge numbers of kosher uh-huh. implications. The oh uh, video games have implications about behaving you're like... buttons? Well, on Sabbath, yeah. yes. Oh. Uh, behaving like the goyim. Like, you know, doing a non-Jewish thing is something, you know, doing an intellectual activity that is not studying the Torah. You know, there's all kinds of rules about this sort of thing. Wearing makeup. Encapsulate it. There is, oh my God, you harlot. (laughs) Um, No, there's extensive laws about modesty for women and girls. Turning on a light. That's definitely a Sabbath issue. Okay. But there's a correct way to tie your shoes. I mean, like, it's everything. But my favorite crazy is definitely Erev. The Erev is a border around a community. Oh, yeah. The invisible that, Yes, and thing. that changes the rules about how you are allowed to carry things outdoors on the Sabbath, which under normal circumstances, one of the 39 primary prohibitions of the Sabbath is carrying items outdoors. There is a really good clip on The Daily Show the from Daily back, Show. When, back when John Stewart was still the host. Uh, yes, Wyatt Cenac did this investigative journalism bit on Erev, and it is the greatest thing ever. Look it up. I don't have to go into it, but let me just say every Friday when I lived on 50th Street in Manhattan, I lived between um, 1st and 2nd Avenues on 50th Street. On 2nd Avenue, running up and downtown, was a wire running from telephone pole to telephone pole, along with the cable and power and phone and whatever else was there. It was just a bare wire that carried nothing except the holy rule of Erev. And every Friday, a bearded rabbi in a cherry picker truck would drive down 2nd Avenue and examine the wire to make sure it was completely intact. Because everybody within the confines of that wire, which runs around the bulk of Manhattan, encompassing most of the Orthodox Jewish neighborhoods, would be allowed to carry on the Sabbath. Carrying, by the way, includes pushing a stroller, which you would otherwise not be allowed to do, and not can't carry a baby. Carrying a purse, anything? So if you are outside of one of those areas... A mother cannot bring a baby to shul. Got to stay inside. You just chuck it. And I was very proud to live a block and a half outside of that because that was my redlining that kept the Jews away. You know, I, I was. <laughs> this is not anti-Semitic. Uh, no, no, I the am show a big us fan. two and a half Jews. I love Jews. I really don't like Judaism. We just want to keep them away. 
Yeah. No, no, that's not even <laughs> we're true. Kidding. No. We're kidding. I, I want to keep away Orthodox Jewish observance. I really yeah. don't like that. It's like, I just don't but like the, the religion itself. are fantastic. They really, oh, yeah. really genuinely are. It's like Mormons. You get to know any Mormons? Oh, yeah. They're some of the loveliest goddamn people on, on the planet. They believe and do really weird shit, just like Orthodox Jews. Yeah. But there's something about these really religious communities that puts such a focus on, as we Jews would say, menschlichkeit. Being a mensch, being a good person, you may be neck deep in batshit crazy, <laughs> but you're very good to people. And you're walking down a dark alley at night. You run into a couple of a Jewish guys or a couple of Mormons. You don't feel like you're going to get mugged. No, no, not at all. I mean, they could be wearing gang colors and you'd feel comfortable. I feel like I run into a couple of guys named Chad with pop collars. I know pop collars are like 20 <laughs> years old though, but like the, a couple of Chads. Not for Chads. Be, Chads, I would be, yeah, you're right. I, Chads, I would be scared to death though. Right, but, especially if they're playing EDM music. Oh, oh my God. EDM, and they're going to start a podcast. <laughs> they won't tell you what it is though. Sorry. We definitely have to move on. However, <laughs> I just want to say, this is so tangentially related to what you just said about safety for, for women. I recently saw uh, Dave Chappelle do a stand-up talking about the time that he got paid in cash from a shady club, and he was carrying about 10 grand in a backpack oh my God. from Brooklyn, and how scared he was of everybody. Like, if they knew that I was carrying this much cash in my bag, how scared would I be? And then he said, that's just like carrying around a pussy. But if I was a woman, everyone would know I had it. <gasps> oh, and I was like, yeah. wow, that's a really good point. So every man out there who wants to be enlightened like me, watch some Dave Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're walking around with these things that... Some yeah. people would just fucking take if they could. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a president who said he could just grab it if he wanted to. Right. That's why I always describe it to people who don't understand it as like, have you ever had like a homeless guy ask you for money? It's like, it's kind of uncomfortable. Mm. And like, you, you know, you've tried gauging the situation of like, how dangerous is this person who's asking me for money? You know, are they bigger than me? Can they overpower me? Is this just something I could pass are away? Are they going to chase yeah. me? Is this yeah. not great? Now, uh, imagine you get a lot of those every day. And society tells you it's a compliment that they're asking you for money. Back in the days of Tam which some of oh, you may man. know about, the amazing meeting, the skeptics thing that happened in Vegas. I ate I your was, bacon at that before I knew yes, you. Yes, you did. I, I was a typical idiot back then in terms of issues of men and women. It's okay. And I don't know if she'd want me to mention her name, so I won't, but there was a, a, a woman there who agreed to have dinner with me just to educate me mm. oh. on issues and completely changed my life. Wow. Uh, and I, I have had smart, caring women friends who have taken the time and patience that they did not have to do wow. to sort of bring me up to speed. And I am eternally in their debt. I wish every man out there would be as lucky as me to make those friends uh, so they would cease being as dipshitty as I used to be. There are some men that get told and don't listen to. So it's also a credit to you that you listened. Mm -hmm. It may have taken me a lot longer than it should have. Yeah, it's, it happens. He said sheepishly. No. <laughs> 
You were also stuck in Orthodox Judaism for like the, how, when did you get out? How old are you? <sighs> There's only so long I feel I can lean on that, but yeah, thank I you. Uh, I was seriously Orthodox until about age 35, 36. Yeah. I mean, we expect most men to have turned or most people to have turned into decent human beings who have gotten all the baking they need from the outside mm. world by then. And you only got out then. Yeah. Let's not so, talk about how racist I used oh. to be. Holy shit. Not intentionally. I would, I thought I wasn't. Well, we're not even going to get into how racist you still are. <laughs> oh no. Let me tell you. I noticed the amazing level of whiteness in this movie. Well, that is true. Well, porn is super racist, but we can get to that later. Yeah. Okay, so before we talk about this film that we reviewed, because we actually reviewed a porn today, we're not here to just talk about and amazing. talk on Orthodox Judaism. We need to address something. So this has been called out twice, once uh, on our Patreon feed and once in our reviews. It's very upsetting. It is really upsetting. So upsetting. it wasn't that we were called basic. We can accept that. I do like my PSLs. I mean, right. it's not I'm going sorry. To pumpkin not spice. an acronym. My, my pumpkin spice lattes. I, I, oh. am, I am basic AF with that. Oof. But we were told that we're kink shaming. <gasps> Me of the tentacle loving was kink shaming. Look, Okay, so, okay, for our listeners, we really try hard. Seriously, look, I, I started this show, you know, coming from, like, a vanilla sex world, and I have learned a fuck ton. Andy, I, guys, I don't want to even listen to the first few episodes because I'm sure I was an idiot. Yeah, we did not know what we were doing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, mistakes happen, sad. things change. Who we are now is definitely not who we were two years ago, but that said... We do our best seriously on the show not to kink shame ever anyone, really. But that said, if we're going to kink shame everyone hypothetically, I think, and if Ed knows where I'm going with this. Oh, yes. We yes, need yes, to do yes. the right thing. This is thing. important. And that's kink shame. We need to kink shame. Vanilla sex. Oh, oh yeah. God, you fuckers. So deserving. With your missionary that works most of the time and is good enough. Do, stop that. You be okay. ashamed of yourselves. One last foray into Orthodox Judaism, just if anybody's out there. <laughs> the sex through this. the sheet thing. Is it not true? Myth. Oh. Myth. Not true at all. Never has been true. I don't know if that might be true in some other culture and it got transported, but I don't think so. I've never really been aware. You guys did have sex fully naked though, right? Like that, that happened? Um, you are supposed to be fully naked, okay. but also under a blanket. And in the dark. Got it. So just as unoriginal as people who do vanilla sex. It's not just vanilla. It's vanilla on a white bread sandwich with mayonnaise. I mean, oh, it is. Man. With a glass of milk in a snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's, yeah. We're making fun of you, you having the boring sex. Yeah. The sex yeah. that gets it done. We're, we're challenging you to do weirder shit. So do all the weirdness. Apologies, honey. But my ex-wife and I, any slight deviation from that, we felt so naughty. Oh, man. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So you were probably one of those that would brag about like the one time you did it from behind while you were spooning like you did some crazy thing. We never bragged because God knows we wouldn't tell anyone oh, about fair. our sex lives. Oh, man. But, God bless her. We we moved on fairly quickly, and you know, 
Oh my God, there was the time, of course, that we failed to read the label on the warming massage oil oh, that no. said not to be used as a sexual lubricant. We were literally talking about that on a podcast oh. we guested on yesterday. And I was like, oh, those are not pain. supposed to go down there. Oh, it hurts so much. We ended up like sitting at the ends of our bed holding ice packs on our genitalia, just <laughs> laughing and la like we at least knew to make fun of ourselves. It was Ah, oh, good times, good times. Then I recently thought about, because I relived after a bathroom break shortly after slicing habanero peppers and not washing my hands thoroughly enough. Ooh. And let me tell you, it brought back such fond memories of that night. When your junk burns and you think of your ex-wife fondly. Ah. And there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you could kind of teabag milk only so much, but... Um, <laughs> Oh my God. You can move on to cream cheese. Sick. <laughs> I even had cream cheese. See, I have creme fraiche. Oh my God. I had so many options. Next time you burn your balls, I'll send you a cheesecake. You'd have to be very fast about it. Okay. So as a hot sauce connoisseur, because- This is a three hour movie. We're, we're never getting, getting to, to it. it. We'll get to it in the sequel okay. of this episode, which is just oh going to be God. called One Night in BJ. The Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> a Night of BJ's will be the part one and part hey, two. I am all about it. It's, you know, COVID has kept me very BJ free. Oh, man. The, oh, a BJ-less so BJ. Uh, yeah. look, look, porn people, he's in Vegas and he's he comes well-reviewed. He's had all his puppy shots. Just let's just look. <sighs> he's got he's got a great location you could film at. I'm just saying I'm oh, pimping no, out no, your no. house. <laughs> I mean, I do have a really great hot tub in a pool shaped like a gummy bear, but. Look, I'm just, I'm just I'm saying. I'm not offering it for porn. Well, yeah. maybe a little. Well, I'm offering it out. I'm just. I did actually have a party here full of uh, porn people. Anyway, Alice wants to say something. I need to correct some information regarding capsaicin. I'm sorry. We Okay. Correct. Look, I'm a hot sauce connoisseur. And look, a lot of people assume that if you eat something spicy, then all of a sudden you should, I don't know, have some whipped cream, yogurt, cream cheese, milk, something of the sort. That's not the way to do it. Oh, no, it's not true. Oh, what it is? Tell me, tell me. Well, well, no, it does work, but you need to line your stomach in order to do it first. So you need to first drink oh. the milk or eat the cream cheese or the whipped cream or whatever dairy product. But people do it to get the uh, the burn out of their mouth. So it'll help if you take it first for heartburn, but you also will... Yeah, yeah barely. I mean, all I'm saying is it, it's almost like... It's just not going to do much because you kind of need to line your stomach with the dairy prior to consuming the spice in order to not have the effect as if you're going to shit out your intestines. So ah. what you're saying is drink some milk before my next thing of flaming Hot Cheetos that I cannot stop myself from. Uh -huh. Look, I know it's going to end badly and I can't stop every time. And that was our review of Operation Desert Stormy. <laughs> I uh, hope all oh. of you enjoyed our commentary. Oh. So we watched a movie this week and it was actually really fucking good. Oh. It was a three hour movie. Actually, I'm going to disagree with you on that. What? I enjoyed it. Oh, no. I, I seriously enjoy. Uh, here's the thing. I'm going to compromise here. It was uh, not a good movie and I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. Okay. There we go. I thought it I was impressed with all the little throwbacks to Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I liked that. Mm. Did you catch that or no, Alice? No, I didn't. When did that movie come out? Mr. Okay. and Mrs. I actually liked Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but yeah, I didn't man. really all right, put so them together. Every time that uh, he said they'd been married for six years and she said seven, that was a joke that they used over and over again in Mr. Oh, wait, and Mrs. You're Smith. Right, because the, uh, that ah. came out in 2005 and this movie came out in 2007. That was one of the jokes that I... I love when it happens where it's funny the first time, it's a little funny the second time, and then it stops being funny until it comes around and becomes funny again. Yeah. And that kind of joke 
kills me. By the time it becomes funny again, yeah. I'm schnertzing. I'm dying. I yeah. loved it. When they started like ramping up the way they used it towards the end, I'm like, well done. Well done. You, they incorporated yes. it into a lot. Yes, good job. So let's talk about Operation Desert Stormy. So for someone who's never watched the film. So first off, this movie came out in 2007 by Wicked Pictures. It was a big budget fucking film. So you guys, you have heard us review uh, Pirates on the show. You've heard us review. What else is big budget? Uh, did because I was out for a few months. I know. Did you guys do one of the Star Wars ones while I was we out? Did. Okay, it's you and Natalia had to do some amazing shit, and you did. Okay. So I'm happy it got done. The budget estimate on this is a quarter million dollars. Dang, which is oh. a big deal for that's poor. a huge deal. But they only shot it in eight days. Wow. I mean, that's, oh, can I point out impressive. something here that I'm an idiot yeah. about? Um, we won't say no. I should have done this much, much earlier. But yesterday, I had the brilliant idea. It, I think it says it right here that this is a three-disc set. I can't read it from yeah, here. Yeah, three-disc um, DVD event of the year. One of them is all behind-the-scenes, making-of documentary. Oh, and I didn't think of it till yesterday. And I called around. Vegas has porn shops. And some of them have gargantuan DVD collections. And one of them had it. And I was going to drive over there and pick it up so that I could watch the extras last night. And they couldn't find it in their inventory. Oh. Their database said they had it, but they. I love that you were shit. you were willing to be in Spend a spend forty dollars no, no, no. just to watch this bullshit. But I, you were also <laughs> willing to be in a room with humans during a pandemic for our silly podcast. Oh God, no! I was going to tell them to meet me in the parking lot. <laughs> I was definitely not walking in there. Nice. These are people I wouldn't want to be within six feet of on a good day. I mean, I don't know what that's not really true. I've been to porn shops here in Vegas and they are pristine. They're some of the oh, nicest yeah. places on earth. They know a lot of fuckers are coming to Vegas to do bad things with their genitals. So they're like, we yeah. got to have the, we need to stay prepared. So yeah. before we break this movie down, kind of like, mm. you know, getting into some of the scenes and whatnot, uh, BJ, if you had to describe this film in, 60 seconds elevator pitch. How would you describe it to someone who's never seen it before? Okay. This is a comedy adventure movie about a CIA covert assassination plot that is played for laughs interspersed with mediocre sex scenes. <laughs> That's basically it. So can I be That's, honest? Yeah. Before we get into the plot, I was disappointed with this film, and let me tell you why. Because it's a three-hour film, and generally, oh. generally, when we have a three-hour porn, which is not uncommon on this show. A three-hour yeah, porn. Well, have a two- to three-hour porn. The skipper, too? Oh, yeah. Once you skip all the porn, all the sex scenes. Oh, my God. Why didn't we watch a Gilligan's Island porn? Why did you tell right, me never mind. you wanted Next that. time, next time. Oh. <laughs> I didn't think of it. BJ, you think we're not going to have you back on again? This is great. We'll do it. I think we should just have BJ on once a month. Like, that's my vote. Patrons, let us know. <laughs> but the point is, normally for a porn of this length, you'll have plot max, max anywhere between half hour, maybe an hour, hour 15. This was two over two hours of plot. I was shocked. Okay, I would say two and a half. The bad sex was mercifully short. Each scene was yeah. a few minutes and these done. were guys, you should have reversed it. Okay, no look, no offense. Look, I know if Stormy listens to this, she's gonna be exceptionally disappointed when I say this. But seriously, girl, 
You should have like drawn out the fucking sex scenes. That's the point of the porn. People did not watch this for the plot. I mean, we could go. We're gonna go into the plot and all the pros and cons. Can I say something really nice about Stormy? We're, we're gonna say so okay, many just, things, nice things about Stormy. Yes. Well, this is first scene. Really nice about Stormy Daniels. I did not know what she looked like. I don't watch TV news. Mm. I read the New York Times and then I check the Fox News uh, website just yeah. to make sure that I'm not completely in my bubble and then I retch in my mouth a little bit and <laughs> go back. Accurate, accurate. They've joined Antifa now though, according to, uh, according uh, to whatever. Yeah, just let's not go there. Not, yeah. But I, I have I have <laughs> scrolled past photos of her and never really looked because I just hate that kind of news story. Like yeah. I'm interested in the story about the payoff and whatever, but just the whatever the right word is that I'm not quite getting now because you know, vodka three. There's a tawdriness to how they're treating the whole story. Tawdry is exactly the word I was trying to go for. Yeah. Uh, so I honestly I didn't know what she looked like. And then I see the post and I see like the dark eye makeup and like, I'm like, okay, so it's a person wearing a gallon of face paint and whatever. But in the first scene, she's wearing relatively light makeup and it's pretend no makeup with like, you know, acne spots or whatever it is. It's still makeup, whatever it is. And I'm like, huh, she's actually pretty. She's gorgeous. I didn't expect that. She's very pretty. They had that first scene that's the dream sequence and it's the husband mm-hmm. dreaming of her having an affair and that's where we have the first sex scene. No, no, no. I thought she was dreaming the affair. I uh, thought it was the husband because it looked like the husband woke up to yeah, like... George, George was woke up panicked. George oh. woke up like, no, she's... And like, and it's... She has like more makeup on in that dancing. And the dancing was, you know, it was a little slow, but it was not that badly choreographed. Uh, excuse you. I have done tango in the past. So I was actually a little, um, I didn't like the technique. Annoyed. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I have a note here about that. Oh, okay. you guys know more about this than me. So. Okay. Now, uh, because I didn't know any names or characters at that point, my note was that first guy can't dance. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, he didn't know how to lead properly. I thought she did a decent job. I thought she was fine. I'm like, "Mm." yeah, he was wooden. I mean, which I guess is appropriate for porn, but yeah. Yeah. Would not cast him for dancing with the stars. I'm sorry, Randy. They had a cute thing where while they're getting naked for the first sex scene, uh, Stormy and the, it's there. Like they keep taking uh, gun after gun after, because they're both spies. Uh, And so they're taking, oh, here's another gun. Here's another out of their outfits. And I'm like, that's cute. I mean, it's either your spies are just in Montana. That (laughs) gag has been done numerous times. I actually liked it in, um, the Clint Eastwood movie, uh, where he's a Secret Service agent. What was that movie called? Great movie, uh, with John Malkovich and Rene Russo in the line of fire. Yeah. Anyway, um, he and Rene Russo get it on, which is kind of funny because he's like a thousand years old. And um, the camera pans across the floor of all their weapon stuff. You don't see them taking it off. And then they get called to duty, and he says, Great, now we got to put all that shit back on. Uh-huh. Very Clint Eastwood. But I was like, okay, fine. That's the gag. All the guns go flying. But then he tosses a rope, and the rope made me laugh. Because it's a noose. Yeah, it's like it's just noose. in case you need a noose with a two foot <laughs> thing on it. What? That was genuinely funny. Well played. Because just in case you need to Jeffrey Epstein someone. Oh Jesus! I wish, like, I feel like they could have gone a little further. I wish they tossed like a rubber chicken and like a couple mm. things that are like clearly not weapons. But you're like, what could you use that for? Right. Like just t- throw in a toaster oven. Or like one of those giant tentacles from Bad Dragon. You know, something really like, oh, you could use that to torture someone. Like a box of ravioli. 
Nice. That would be great. Nice. I, I don't know the names of porn people. I mean, I, I could, I suppose, pretend that I, I don't know anything about porn. But <laughs> I never paid attention to the, the performers' names. And Randy Spears has got to be the greatest name. I mean, that whoever came up with that is a genius. I hope it was Randy Spears because that's brilliant. Most of the names in the opening credits, which was interminable, there were 800 names in the opening credits. Yeah, a few of them were good, most were not. I was a little disappointed because you know, I kind of expected everything to be a pun. They're not anymore, I guess, or they weren't in 2007. Have they gotten more punny as the years have gone by? I don't think so. Like, there's a certain feel to a lot of the women's names, a lot of the guys' names uh, are puns still, or they, they're kind of punnier, I think, than the girls. At least, how, that's how they come across to me. I've been given names for myself. Like I could be BJ anything really, but uh, BJ Kramer and BJ Creamer are both pretty good options. Funny enough. Like your name is, it starts with BJ. So I mean, like, I know, right. I don't have to work too hard. I still find it amusing that when we had Ryan Creamer on the show, he's like, no, that's my real name. Oh, Jesus. We're like, God damn it. Our love child would be BJ Creamer. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, Ryan, I feel like we should introduce you two and see if you make beautiful music together just so that you could make the BJ Creamer show. Neither of you have to be mm. really into each other. Just uh, have a kid. Rename it. Not required, but could you make him female? Just, you know, <laughs> I'd like that a little He better. is a cute ginger. I mean, all right. I am. You know, I'm not picky. You could make music together. It could happen. So we have this husband and wife couple that clearly just like don't like each other. And then, I mean, shock surprise at the end of the movie, the bone because they rekindle their relationship. But yeah. how did you guys feel about, you know, this spiteful husband wife couple where they've been married for six or seven years, seven, <laughs> seven years, four months and two days, as she reminds him later oh, in the wow. movie. You really watched this movie. I, no, I just, I remember numbers really well. I have a couple of random ass talents in life. One of them is numbers stick in my brain very well. It's, I, I'm not as smart as my memory uh, makes me seem. Okay. So you have a husband and wife couple. They work at the same exact place, which I don't know if I would ever recommend. I mean, I, I know a number of people who meet through work, but I think that's a terrible idea. In his dream, she's a spy, and, and he dreams that she's like, I would never let my husband get in the way of a mission. And then when he wakes up, she's an administrative assistant, and he keeps calling her a secretary, which I'm like, he's a dick, girl. You should leave him. Why are you sticking with a guy who degrades you? And he's like, he's kind of like an agent, but like they keep referring to him as the file boy who's not getting a promotion in the office. So I'm like, I don't know. They seem to like her, the secretary <clears throat> administrative assistant in the office more than him. So why are they trying to work on this when he's being such a dick to her at her workplace? That seems really mean. Yeah, I thought psychologically that worked quite well in that, you know, his fear of, you know, being emasculated makes perfect sense that he would visualize his, his horror dream yeah. would be his wife being the actual spy that he would aspire to be. Uh, yep. And uh, this movie doesn't deserve this kind of analysis, but whatever. I, I'm sorry, but we're not English majors, but we're trying. Yeah, no, no, I, I believe that was the way it was written. It's not. I'm not going too deep on that. Look, Lindsay Ellis is busy doing real film critic stuff, yeah. okay? So and here we are. And Movie Watcher is Whoever just is. Debunk at, defunct at this point, so it's us. They have no one else to review this. Literally no one else. Movie Bob won't take my calls anymore. It's just, it's us. Yeah. What is George's name, the actor? Oh, hold on. I have it written down. Um, he looks like a knockoff Dane Cook. Yes, he does. <laughs> that bothered me the whole fucking uh, movie. Is he a three-part name, I think? 
Stephen St. Croix. St. Croix. Okay, there you go. I I have a weird way of remembering things. Three-part name. I liked that while, you know, he's played as a goof and he's... You know, he's the Gomer Pyle. He's whatever the right. That's not the right one. He's the the whipping boy uh, yeah. comedically. And he's not terribly funny, but he commits. And yeah. I really appreciated that. He went all in on the physical comedy when he's just being angry and frustrated. I thought he actually was decent. What did I write down here? Uh, when they're in the car at the beginning. He calls her stupid. Or he says something about stupid and drives off. And then he goes back to make sure she understood. He's like, you're the stupid one. <laughs> that was surprisingly good. That yeah. was actually quite funny. And he pulled it off really well. One thing I loved is actually um, analyzing tech from 2007 of what was considered high tech when George, uh, his character was invited into the lab. Mm-hmm. Because when, for example, they were showing, so he is being invited into this quote, top secret lab, which literally says top secret lab. At one yes. point they show him a watch, which has wireless internet and MP3 player, a cigarette lighter and AM FM oh. radio, a camera, basically an Apple watch. Right. AM FM radio made me laugh. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was a thing. One day they'll have a lighter. That's gotta be coming soon. All right, two points about that. Nothing in this struck me as budget until that scene when Amy was the character's name, takes him to the lab. She uses a fingerprint thing to get in. And it's this electronic device. I'm like, oh, that's where they spent money on useless electronics. Like, what's the deal with that? Like, why bother? But okay, that's where the budget went. You know where I think they spent money? The sound quality. Yes. They had excellent, and I mean, look, we're connoisseurs. We've seen some porns with some awful, awful sound quality. Hmm. They had perfect uh, sound quality throughout this. And I, I appreciate that in a porn with the script. I actually now can see the point because at no point did the audio make itself known to me. You know, exactly. I, I just, it worked perfectly. Uh, what, what was the name of the actress who played Amy? I believe Jenna Hayes was the Jenna Hayes. I could be misremembering um, that, but I right. think that was her. Very yeah. cute little features. She looked to me like, I wrote it down, like a cross between Amy Acker and Judy Greer. Yes. I know Judy Greer. I don't know. I probably know Amy Acker and I'm just blonde momenting. Did you ever watch Angel? No. Um, she played Fred on Angel. She's done a bunch of Joss Weeds and stuff. Uh, if I saw a picture, I'd probably know her right yes, off. Yes, you absolutely would. And she's absolutely wonderful. Jenna Hayes, totally my type. Woo. <laughs> so... I have a bit of an issue. We'll send the message to her. (laughs) Not that we know her at all. We have to know someone who knows her. You have time. That's true. I'm stuck in an attic in LA. I can get a hold of, like, we can't be more than like one or two connections away, max. And and here's the thing. I don't feel guilty about these women who are obviously much too young for me because that's 13 years ago. So like they've caught up, you know, right? (laughs) This is true. Have your age plus seven. When they're labeled barely legal, we know that's a lie. So It's like barely legal plus five. Right. Here's a 30-year-old teen. Uh-huh. And here's a 22-year-old MILF. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. There is no gap between tween, teen and MILF, right? It's like... One day you're playing barely legal, the next day you're a MILF Latina. Like, it's just... it's. Depends on what they needed. There's a little bit of college in between. You're no longer a teen, you're a college girl, and then you turn MILF at 23. I theorize that, like, well, like, once your Botox is worn off, you play MILF for a few weeks, and then, like, you get a new, like, couple injections, and you go back to playing college for, for like, nice. a month or so. Like, look, that's what I'd do if I were in the industry. I'd be like, I need to keep a diverse portfolio. I'll keep an eye out for your name on Pornhub. 
look, it's already on there just for the podcast, not not this. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't uploaded episodes in a little while, which I should do, but yes. I could get on Pornhub. <gasps> that will make me feel Pornhub. like I've made it. Let's put BJ on Pornhub just to make sure. So I want to kind of skip ahead because there was one part I was personally a little annoyed with. Can I talk about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I am going to rewind you and go through my annoyances up to this point, but Ooh. please continue. Okay, I want to talk about the fingerprint scanner. So, okay, just to... Okay, no, seriously. So, here's what ends up happening. So, uh, Stormy is essentially an administrative assistant. She's married to her husband, George, who also works in the same office. Stormy gets hit on by her boss. Her boss basically is in Hawaii, goes on a luau, while after banging a chick, gets knocked out by a coconut, which... Also very pretty. Okay. And I also, here's the thing. I couldn't tell when the boss was like, I, I'm going on a secret mission. Then he ends up in Hawaii. When he says, I'm going to get a call from the president. Like, I couldn't tell if he was just bullshitting this chick. Oh, that, totally. Yeah, I'm getting a call from the president. Like, was he just on vacation in Hawaii? Yeah. Okay. The impression I got was that he was making some bullshit cover. You go on this mission because, you know, I have this important thing to do, but really it's just like slacking off because it's the only way you can get away with it. Like that wasn't really a phone call from the president. Yeah. Right. But he's also yeah. an idiot and he ended up going, you know, to a gay function because he clearly is clueless. By the way, that the gay guy who is trying to hit on him the whole time also absolutely genuinely hilarious. I don't know if you're, and he shows up at the dance scene at the very end. One of the best actors. In this whole thing. Fantastic. Next to the woman who actually like pretended to be from like the head of the CIA or something like that, who comes in and is like, no, we need to clean this up and get to the bottom of this. Like genuine yeah. frustration from her end. But my point is this. So Stormy assumes that she's going to get a call from her boss, uh, you know, assuming he's in like an undercover situation where it's life or death. If she doesn't answer the phone, she doesn't answer the phone because it gets thrown into a fish tank. As one does. Yeah, normal. Into his perfect underwater ecosystem that he's been <laughs> cultivating. Yeah, but right. in the background, her boss is getting knocked out by a coconut by a guy who tried hitting on him and so what ends up happening is so how did they uh, contrive in their minds that they had to go on this mission to the middle east remind me of how exactly they figured that one out because i know george so initially i know they got back to the office and boss was missing and we have to find him and i i lost how they suddenly were the ones on this mission weirdly that's a clean sweep none of us remember (laughs) i don't I remember there was a scene. It was like two lines of dialogue uh, that made that decision. Like uh, he had to go because he was the agent and she's like, I'm going to. And it's a porn. So it happened that way. It had to happen this way. So the plot could happen. I assume her husband was trying to prove himself because he j- didn't want to just be yeah. a coffee errand boy. And she yeah. wanted to be more than just an administrative assistant. Yes, I I think that is correct. To borrow something from the Buffy podcast I do, whenever the plot stops making sense, we just say, like, you know, hashtag acceptance. We just accept it and continue. So here's my gripe. So they're trying to break into this lab. This is your gripe. Please. (laughs) Okay. 
So the fingerprint scanner. You guys, okay, so they're trying to break into this top secret lab, which is utilizing a fingerprint scanner. So do you guys know anything about fingerprint scanners? Not the technology behind it, not really, no. Let's say no. Okay, so it's okay. I'm a bit of a nerd about this. So how essentially they work is by capturing, you know, patterns and ridges and valleys on a finger. So there's actually three different types of fingerprint scanners. There's ultrasonic, uh, capacitive, and uh, optical. All you really need to know is like optical, it's like it's made Making a photocopy of the finger and it's trying to compare the lines like via digital image. Capacitive. Capacitive. It, yeah, capacitive. It uses electricity. That's what most phones utilize to determine fingerprint patterns. Um, it uses electricity. Think of the way touch screens work. And then ultrasonic, essentially, it's like how bats and dolphins are using echolocation to find and identify objects. Um, where, you know, you have pulses which measure sound and, you know, how much bounces back. You know, ridges and valleys, uh, they reflect sound differently, which is how ultrasonic scanners work. So there's a few different ways to hack a fingerprint scanner, and she does it in two seconds. That's not how it works. Wait, are we talking about Amy bringing George into the lab to have virtual reality sex? No, I'm talking about Stormy, Rebecca, breaking into the lab later and saying, I can hack anything. I remember none of this. Okay, sorry, continue. Do you guys know how to ha hack a fingerprint scanner? I did see the Mythbusters episode about it. <gasps> I didn't it. know there was a Mythbusters episode on it. Mm -hmm. Let's hear it. I've never, I've seen people doing it in movies and like, I always look at it and go, is this bullshit? Like when they take someone else's fingerprint and put like an image of it on theirs. Yeah. And I'm like, that seems like it might be bullshit, but I don't know. I don't recall any of the details, but they were able to defeat one pretty easily. Wow. It depends on the type of fingerprint scanner. So yeah, you can defeat it potentially easily. I mean, there's a few ways, you know, if someone gets your fingerprint scan or has a master print, which is, you know, something that cheaper scanners use where essentially it's kind of like a master key. There's forging fingerprints, exploiting software vulnerabilities. But hey, here's the kicker. Sometimes you don't even have to do that. You can just use remnants left over from a previous fingerprint scan to guess past security because any prints harvested off a scanner are basically near guaranteed to be the one that unlocks it. You can't do that in two seconds. The things I've seen in movies are as simple as covering up the thing and just applying heat or pressure from behind and then the residual yeah. imprint from before was used. Then there's the whole like, you know, peel the scotch tape off the glass yeah. and then you make a mold off the existing one and you put like, you know, crazy glue on your finger and make the print on there. And like, you know, I, whatever. I like the, the retinal scan ones better where they got to pluck your eyeball out yeah. in order to, to get in. You know, that's good. I want to see somebody struggle in order for somebody to open a door. Oh, that'd be fun in a porn. <laughs> oh, yeah. They got to use like, like you know, dick reading access. Like insert into slot for authorization. Why couldn't you guys have done that? I want the winking. Oh, wait, that man. was done. That was done in the Hebrew hammer. Has anybody seen that? No. The Hebrew hammer was a Jewish black exploitation movie. And it was half brilliant wow. and half awful. I feel like that's the only way a movie like that can go is yeah. half brilliant and half awful. In order to get into the secret thing, he has to do a whole bunch of Jewish things. And one of them, I remember, is playing violin. And the other one is he has to get his circumcision verified. Um, so I guess that exists, at least in Hollywood. Anyway, 
What else bothered you, Alice? Why does the vest have testosterone patches on it? So there's like an invincible vest or one that, you know, it helps accelerate, you know, your strength and it has testosterone patches built into it. Why? Because it increases your testosterone. So I assume there's only testosterone patches built in. Right. How great would it be if I could buy testosterone patches and all of a sudden be faster and stronger? Technology. That's how that, no. Oh, and let's talk about nerve gas. <laughs> yeah, dear God. You're getting way ahead so, of us. Can we, so can we catch up? So as a person who used to work at a pesticide company and knows how organophosphates work, I'm like, ah, don't, that's not how nerve gas works. So there's a nerve gas pen in this lab and they utilize it later in the plot. So Yvette, you're probably more frustrated than I am with this scene. Did they just shoot someone with the nerve gas? I'm just, I, so we're definitely skipping ahead. So maybe we should go over the middle part and then get to the nerve gas scene. Yeah. There was a very, very short Saturday Night Live routine with um, Richard Pryor, I think it was, a million years ago, uh, where he was a soldier going on a secret mission and the commanding officer was telling him about it and giving him all the equipment. And it's basically like, you take that gun and take this thing and take this, oh, and, and take that pill. And he, he grabs the pill and takes it. Uh. And he's like, yeah, that pill is cyanide in case you're captured. <laughs> that was, uh. like, very short scene, like, you know, a minute. That was that. Uh, so, yeah, that was similar to what happened with the nerve gas. Just a couple notes up to that point. When George and Amy have virtual reality sex, I tried to be a completist. I know we didn't have to watch the sex scenes. But I was like, I'm gonna, you I'm gonna power for through our it. Art. I gave up halfway through this scene, which is only the second sex scene in the in the movie, because they did this sort of grid pattern, you know, as if it's like digital, like yeah. you're looking at a low resolution image, and it was just hard on the eyes. Mm. It was really annoying, and then I was like, all right, all right, now I give up. I'm gonna fast forward. But this does bring me to another point. All the sex scenes use condoms. Is this a function yeah. of the era? Or was there some other reason why that was the case? I would assume and there were some laws no. involved. But that no longer is the case, isn't it? It might have been the era. It might have been the local jurisdiction that they were filming in. I come to you guys for answers. Stormy, write in info at twogirlsonmike.com. Could have been the director's choice. So That would be surprising. And it was consistent. It was every single scene. Yeah, That might be the first time I've seen condoms in a porn that we've watched for the show. Huh. So Yeah, I, I know that there was a thing in California where they were trying to make it a law that you had to, and that moved a lot of the industry to Vegas. And then I thought that the law never took, but maybe it did for like a little period of time. And that's when they made this movie. Maybe. Maybe. But it's weird because they certainly didn't film much of this in the valley. Oh, you know what? They probably filmed all the sex scenes, <laughs> you know, in a warehouse in the San Fernando Valley, but whatever. Basically. Yeah, there have been a few different times where people have been like condoms for all the porn actors. And sometimes it gets a little bit of traction and eventually people are like, nah, like, and it goes back. And there have so rarely been issues because they get tested weekly. Right. I mean, that'll be as soon as they, you know, stop talking about teens and MILFs and uh, BBCs. You know, (laughs) like, yay, racism. Anyway, um, uh, just quickly, the notes I have. I just want them to get rid of like all the like the incest porn or the faux cest porn. Oh my God. Like I have a hypothesis about this. We could talk about it later. Um, <laughs> I took a note humping like a drunken chihuahua. I think it's just something someone says and I thought it was a great line. Uh, humping like a drunken chihuahua. I have another note that says the whole world. 
I have no idea what I was referring to. Oh, probably saving the whole world. I don't remember, but whatever it was, it was worth me taking a note at the time. Agent X keeps a grenade on his desk. I don't know. They At one point, they said the terrorists, the ones from the Middle East, are trying to attack. And I was like, yeah. but which ones? Hamas? The Muslim Brotherhood? ISIS? Al-Qaeda? No. Who are we talking about? Which ones? And the same guy said, I'm going to get the magical things that make the bomb or the magical ingredients that make the bomb. Like I'm like... That's how that works. Huh? These are these are issues that I think we can gloss over and be like, okay, what, whatever. This is not the okay, point. Okay, but let's talk. <laughs> Ron Jeremy was the big Muslim terrorist guy. Okay, okay, great. wait a minute, wait a minute. So Ron Jeremy plays Saddam Hussein. Where let's be honest, a, it wasn't that wasn't a lot of acting for him? Right, he was Hussein. But not necessarily so. Method acting Fine. wasn't required. However, much like how Yazidi sex slaves are forced into human trafficking under Saddam. Uh, Ooh, way to bring it down. Just saying uh, that Ron Jeremy knows from experience what it's like to force women to do this, things that they don't want to. Yeah, he's yeah, a rapist, yeah, right? Yeah. He's going to jail for like many, many, more, more than likely going to jail for many moons for, <clears throat> quote, allegedly. I am glad I didn't realize how serious it was when oh, I watched yeah. the movie because like, that would have really uh, pissed me off. Things are looking bad for Ron. I mean, he's at like Bill Cosby level. Uh, I don't know if it's Bill Cosby. There may be a threshold level. where you no longer need gradations. The problem is with Ron is that he he comes from an era where basically he became the big star, and you know it was just something where even if you complain, it was like, well, it's just what Ron does. It's Ron. It's Ron. And people just let him get away uh, with it. And now people are like, hey, he did this awful thing to me and no one took it seriously. And I'm tired of it. And it was right. awful. And so people are finally holding him accountable for a lot. He started like 70s, right? Uh -huh. I mean, he's yeah. like way back when. Um, I have seen that man's package. And I really don't get why they'd put him in a movie and keep him fully clothed the whole time. It just seems a little like, it's not just stunt casting, it's... The rest of his body around that package has degraded so much that nobody wants to see the package anymore. <sighs> did you see his um, Wrecking Ball video? No. Yes. Oh my God, he did Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball video like shot for oh shot. God. I have no idea what the context was why he did this, but he's it's horrifying. And, and he has this like weird deformed belly button thing that's like kind of gross. But, you know, it's funny because when that happened, this is, you know, pre-rapist. Well, I mean, yeah. pre-knowing he was a rapist. Yeah. I thought it was really funny because also I really appreciate it when somebody commits 100% yeah. no matter how stupid it is and whatever. It was. It's kind of disappointing to find out that somebody that, you know, I can appreciate because of the crazy turns out that you can't appreciate because of the evil. Yeah. Which, I mean, here's do? also the thing with Ron. I mean, he's the type of person where... I like that you're on a first name basis. I don't want to be. Hey, we have run into him in a strip club and then we ran right back the other direction. Well, Did also, you really? He sucked on my neck, so I can tell that story. Oh. Through a scar. Oh, yes, you may. Ugh. You're on a first name basis, that's for sure. I get it that he's a, quote, legend, but sometimes legends are also bad people, so... That's Rod Jeremy. Yeah. Look, here's the thing when it comes to consent. You know, generally, if you're going to suck on someone's neck, you ask, hey, you know, can I have some fun? Can we do something funny? Things like that. But Ron's the type of person where he does something, doesn't ask permission, and he just assumes that, you know, people are going to enjoy and have fun. And don't get me wrong. Right. Like, there's a number of people he probably takes photos with and sucks on their neck and think this is hysterical, this is fun, this is a great story. Right. And to an extent, that is true. And, you know... Much 
much like how psychics are reaffirmed because they will have positive people who come back to them and say, oh my God, this is fun or funny and, you know, have no issue with it. Much like, you know, your Ron Jeremy's of the world. But there's a number right. of people where he will do something inappropriate on set and no one will correct him because he is Ron Jeremy. And because it's been happening for so many years, because it's just, well, that's just Ron being Ron. Like, he thinks he can do that to anyone, whether it's someone who said, yeah, that's fine, or just someone he runs into somewhere. Right. So it's... Yeah kind of a pattern my understanding is it's not just him like james dean right has also he and it's i'm shocked same kind of problem i'm shocked that he's making movies again because like it was funny when when he started making movies again like we were like well maybe it wasn't that bad it's amazing because he's been dead for like 70 years right (laughs) it was like we were we kind of were like well maybe it wasn't that bad and then i you know read a few articles on it and he did some atrocious things to Joanna Angel. And I was just, I was shocked. And like, you know, not just her, but other women like on sets, he did things like cross boundaries on like when they were filming. So, I mean, he did things that were bad personally and professionally and presented himself as, you know, the feminist porn star guy. Uh, And it's like, I... I just wonder, is it possible for someone like that to change or to learn in any way that makes you feel safe with him being on a porn set? And I'm like... I don't know what the answer to that is. Like, I know that right. there are, there are women who I respect in the industry who say the answer is no, and that's that bothers me that he's still making films. So, what we're trying to say is we need more old school porn guys who are not Ron Jeremy, like the Evan Stone types of the world, like the Tommy Pistols. We need more of you. Seriously, what is with like? I feel like I hear this from porn stars all the time, where it's a new generation. They're like lot less respect for women versus like the older generation. I can't remember where, but I remember reading about Evan Stone, how well liked he was or is, I guess. He's great. Like we, uh, we met him at the AVNs, had him on the show and it's just, he's, one thing I, I like about him, he he's very much advocated for more oral sex for women in porn. And I'm like, oh, that's a man after my heart and my pussy. Just I think that, didn't that used to be the case? I remember like the first- Porns I saw when I was a lot younger seem to have a lot more. Porns earlier on, like, because we've watched a lot of, like, you know, porns from the 70s and, like, look, like, they looked more like real sex, like natural, like, sex that involved oral for women. And now sex, or, like, porns look like it's like, look, there's 10 minutes of a blowjob, maybe two seconds of a man fingering a woman, and then on to the banging. Mm. It's appreciated when you see some oral in a film. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. We appreciate Evan Stone's tireless advocacy <laughs> for more pussy eating in film. So let's get back to the film for like two seconds. Sure. So, y- oh, I have to. I'm sorry. I got to trip one thing. When when George finally gives sugars to Agent X, and he tosses them on the table. They're clearly sweet and low packets. It's definitely sweet and low. Sweet and low for sure. I want my money back. Yeah, the pink packet's sweet and low, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Okay, I'm sorry. Now, now I'll just continue. I had, as a former Splenda <laughs> spokesperson, I, I was very annoyed with that as well. I noticed it. I'm glad I'm not so, the only one. Okay. <laughs> so we get to a point where they have committed to this concept of George is going to go to the Middle East on this mission. I don't fucking know why anymore. And his wife, Rebecca, is going to join him. They're stealing a bunch of, you know, military equipment from the U.S. government. So they've done that up until this point. She has also sure. packed at least half a dozen bags of luggage, one of which has uh, she's stuffed her dog, dog. into. Um, I have a number of concerns or regarding that we're going to discuss later. 
But they arrive in the Middle East and they're, okay, so there is this operative there who is anticipating some British intelligence that he's going to be taking to a raid. And he runs across Rebecca and George. And I'm assuming that just because they're the only two white people that get off the plane that he goes to them. Like, what is this British operative thinking where there's no code word, there's no password, there's no, um, there's generally some sort of a plan to know who he's meeting? Maybe it would be very true to form for British operatives to expect ineptitude from American counterparts. And therefore, when they see incredibly inept people, that's got to be them. Americans come with a flashing sign that says, oh yeah, that them. But he didn't anticipate Americans, he anticipated British operatives. Oh, that's right. Right? Shit. You're right. So, like, if I was blonde hair, hashtag yeah, acceptance. blue-eyed with big tits and did not have a British accent, I am probably the wrong person for the job. Yes, Americans are Americans. Yeah. Also, I was once sitting with my girlfriend and another friend and my two kids at a little cafe in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower, and one of the people in my group actually spoke fluid French, which was not expected. And she started laughing hysterically out of the blue because she overheard a woman at the next table call over the waiter and request to be moved further away from the Americans. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, the French. Something. Gotta love them. Holy shit. <laughs> anyway, we stand out. We're noticeable. Guys, do you guys remember the grenade scene? Yeah. Like, somehow she shoots three men, just one bullet apiece. Right, because she's good. Uh, because she's very mad that they hurt her Favorite dress in that fucking suitcase. Like, and none of them managed to shoot her. Progress with machine for gun. women. She has one tiny gun, but like with that tiny gun versus their machine gun, she shoots them. Then she throws the, like, she doesn't react to the grenade at all, just picks it up, oh, and throws it back and blows up the terrorists. And they're like, Stormy, you're amazing. Oh, man. Can I talk about grenades for a second? Because I'm very angry about the sure. grenade scene. <laughs> No, in my opinion, so the grenade kind of looked like an M67, which is a fragmentation grenade. It's basically a, it's called a baseball grenade for a reason. And it looks really similar to what they used in the film. I don't know if that's what they were going for or not, but it's super common in armies. But they're designed to disperse shrapnel on detonation. And so how it works is when it's detonated, it takes about four to five seconds after a spoon's released. So you have to understand that from when the spool was released and thrown by the Iraqi, hits Stormy, it lands on the ground, she picks it up, makes a clever quip, and then throws it back. That's more than four or five seconds. And this is what bothered you. Except she should have been dead. So first of all, this is a movie. She should have been dead. That's happened a million times. She should have been dead. I'm not saying she should have, but like she should have been dead. The power of porn compels you. The power of porn has protected you. I do want to point out that I don't think it's fair to say this is Iraq, nor do I think it's fair to say Ron Jeremy was Saddam Hussein, because he has his own flag. I think it's very much his own country. Oh. Why would someone give Ron Jeremy a country? Why, why would they give him a part in this movie? Why wouldn't you give him his own country or get him out of the rest of ours? He's got to have a place to put that dick. Whew. Oh, jeez. It's a very large thing. It is. It needs its own country. Look, there's a reason he was in porn and it wasn't his personality. Go figure. So where are we up well, to? Eventually, <laughs> I mean, George and Stormare figured out that they're not the fucking British agents by the British agents. 
Right. What? Right. Yes. And okay, so Watson. Said, let's talk about this. So then George and Rebecca think, oh, well, let's continue this mission. So in order to do that, let's uh, use nerve gas on the British agent. Right, to take out the Brits. Okay, so nerve gas, it doesn't like knock you out for a little bit. It doesn't give you like a little nappy nap. Um, nerve gas will fuck up your, um, as the name would imply, nerves. Um, see, what it does is it, in- it inhibits your acetylcholinesterase levels. And it gives you, basically, it feels like you have, and I know this because when I worked at a pesticide company and we analyzed organophosphates, we had to get our acetylcholinesterase levels tested every couple of months to make sure we weren't getting too much exposure. And you would basically, uh, you had to look for symptoms that resembled the flu only with things shooting out both ends and lacrimation and tears and snot dripping out of your mouth and nose. Just, yeah, there are awful, awful symptoms. And and you can also have seizures. Just So um, it doesn't just knock you out. It's not like here's a nap. (sighs) This is one of those complaints that I think actually makes sense within the plot because our leads are so inept, them calling it nerve gas while it actually being some kind of knockout gas. Like, perfectly cromulent. Just look up what nerve gas is. That's <laughs> all I ask. Just, just Stormy, you're better than this. Look up what nerve agent is. I, I think she did exactly right. Her character <laughs> oh, was an idiot. You know, that's... And got it wrong. That is a good point. Mm-hmm. Sleepy time juice. By the way, what was her name? Rebecca? Yeah. Was it Rachel Stormy? or Rebecca? You know, Rachel? It's, it's Hang on. I actually was, wrote it down. Oh, shit. It is such a, a generic white girl name that it doesn't matter. Rachel. It's Rachel. Is it Rachel? I'm sorry, okay. I keep fucking it up and calling it Rebecca. Might as well be Karen. Anyway, so um, <laughs> she's reading a book. We first see her reading it on a bus or the Jeep or whatever, and then we see her in the tent reading a book, and it's blurred out. Did you notice no. that? No. They put a blur effect on it so you can't see the title. Huh. Because that's what I do when I watch porn. I try to figure out what books people are reading. Well, now I want to know what book it was. By the way, I absolutely do that. If there's any porn I'm watching, I like look around the room and I'm just like so interested in the oh, yeah. sets. Like I want to know because <laughs> because like, like I, I want to know where they filmed it. Like I want to know if it's, like, yeah. someone like is this in someone's house? Like I want to know if this, this was filmed in their shitty apartment or in a house they rented for two days. Oh my God. Inevitably I'm thinking about the Airbnb owners. <laughs> right? I'm like, do they know what's going on? Did they put that plant in the corner? Oh, man. Like that's like what I end up thinking each time. I'm like, I am paying attention to the wrong thing. Also whose Yorkie was that? Oh my god. Oh my god. Probably someone who worked on the show. I am not a dog person, but that was a cute dog. That was a very cute dog. So uh Stormy's character in this porn uh apparently loves her dog so much she packed it up. But um I'm sorry, but if you're in a desert, specifically in Iraq, it's 90 plus degrees. Why are you keeping a dog in a in luggage? If you're going on a secret mission with a dog that we know to be a yappy dog breed on a secret Mission, a military mission. You're exhibiting poor judgment. Just hire a dog sitter. Come on, a couple days. Doesn't cost that much. Uh, did we talk about the um, luau party? No, yet? but we can I mean, go we back. We touched on it briefly. We can go back. Let's go back Let's to go that back. for a second. So back. Agent X is not realizing he's surrounded by gay people. Okay, fine. Har, har. And then he meets the very lovely, uh, somewhat Polynesian-looking woman he immediately has sex with. During that scene, I don't know if you guys noticed, but wherever they filmed that, 
it was fucking freezing out because you can actually see their breath. Oh, uh, did you no, notice? This? I didn't. Oh, oh my god! I'm like, how are you taking your? Pa- how is she wearing that? It's gotta be at most forty degrees. What? Like, I don't know what the deal was. I wonder if it was just one of those. They like. It gets fucking cold at night in LA, like sometimes. And it's just, it's, it might not have been crazy cold, but it's just like, it starts feeling cold at like 60 degrees out here. Yeah. Before the rental expires, go check it out. Go to that scene when he's sitting down. I think before they screw, when he's sitting there and they're talking before he gets coconutted, you can just see the breath, you know, and like, what is the deal? Okay. We need to also talk about the laser scene. I thought she did a very good Catherine Zeta-Jones. I thought that that whole arching her back, butt in the air thing was okay. lovely. Like, and here, what bothers me now, I say this as a very flexible person. I am genetically flexible. I have a genetic predisposition to bending myself out of shape. And she, all she did was arch her back a little. And he's like, I've forgotten how flexible you are. I'm like, really? This is she, your problem. She had an extra foot between her and that thing, she could have really just slid through. She didn't have, like, as much as I enjoyed the view of the butt arching up in the air, like, that was, like, it was, uh, could she have, like, gone over a couple things and, like, done a little topsy? Like, they could have made his comment make sense very easily. I'm just, I'm so annoyed. It's funny the things that annoy us. Like, they could have made that just slightly more intricate so easily. Incidentally, that house that they broke into, the palace, they had very brief exterior shots, probably to hide the fact that it was clearly just a nice, normal house that they CG'd some uh, minarets on top of. Nice. I'm terribly sensitive to CG. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like three frames. It's like very brief. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of clever. They just added some top stuff onto the house, made well it look done. like a palace. Good well done. Yeah. Well One done. of my favorite scenes in the film, and I know this is really stupid, but so the head of, I would assume that, of Saddam or Ron Jeremy's military force is named Jafar. Mm-hmm. I love that. Definitely not a Middle oh Eastern God. name. Co- right. Really. Stagnetti from Pirates, whatever you his guys name is. couldn't have gone with Muhammad, the most common fucking name. Yeah, but Jafar is funny. Is his partner's name Iago? You know. Gilbert. But my point is, so he at oh one God. point steals, because after Stormy and her husband are captured, he steals like their equipment. And I love the VR sex scene where in the middle of that sex scene, you see him not even like pantsless, just fully clothed, like air banging. <laughs> air humping, yeah. And yeah. George walks uh, in wait, 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 and he just leaves. It's brilliant. You skipped a very important scene. Much earlier, Jafar's brother bangs one of the harem girls. Yes. So Jafar's brother is banging <laughs> a harem girl. And Jafar comes in and he's all pissed. Excuse you, but she's haram in the sheets and halal in the streets. Wow, do I like that. Anyway, (laughs) um, that's fantastic. Just want to be clear. That character, Jafar's brother, has no impact on the movie at all. Has no other scenes, has no other anything. And not only that, when Jafar comes in and yells at him, he is clearly not in the same room. They're not in the same shot. It's just, they juxtapose two completely separate things. So it seems to me the only explanation here is that Stormy Daniels, in her infinite wisdom, felt that this movie was not long enough. So she made a completely unrelated, irrelevant sex scene and spliced it in by having Stagnetti, whatever his name is, (laughs) from Pirates. What's his name? That actor who plays Jafar? Oh, Tommy Gunn. Tommy Tommy Gunn. Gunn. Um, He's good. 
who also, I got to give him credit, he commits. And he looks like he's five foot six. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but he really does. And he's got muscles, and I appreciate that. You were close. Tommy Gunn is five eight. Really? He is short. Okay. Uh, Okay. Anyway, so that was a funny thing to me. It stood out clearly a sex scene they shoved in there for some reason. It was also one of the longer and therefore more annoying ones to fast forward through. Side note Tommy Gunn is the name of the antagonist in Rocky Five. Shut up. Yes. Tommy, and it's it's worse than that. He's a young boxer that Rocky Balboa trains. He's his protege. He resents the fact that the whole world calls him just a clone of Rocky. So he ends up, you know, fist fighting him in an alley. Awful, awful movie. But the worst part is that Tommy Gunn's character is nicknamed because every boxer has to a nickname, Iron Mike Tyson, you know, whatever. He's Tommy the Machine Gun. Oh, as in Jesus. like machine gun, completely ignoring the fact that a Tommy gun is already a thing <laughs> and is funny and clever on its own. So good for Tommy gun porn guy for not fucking up his name and making it stupider than it had to be and just sticking with the intelligent and clever Tommy gun. I want to raise my hand right now because I just realized something that they left out in this entire porn. Please. And I'm not even kidding when I say this. So there's two things I've realized now that I think about it because I have a number of friends from the Middle East. And by the way, if you're from the Middle East, you know what I'm talking about. Oh my God, I know exactly. I have a note here, but please oh go ahead God, and say Oh my God, I want to hear what your notes say. So two things. The first thing being that if uh, generally you bone someone at a ma- uh, wedlock, you're technically in wedlock because you can have uh, contractual marriages that last like an hour or two or a day. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. So we didn't have any of that, but that's totally a thing still to this day in the Middle East. But then I realized, I was like, holy shit. I remember a few years ago, like two years ago when we actually used to be around people. I was in a Mexican restaurant with one of my guy friends who's from the Middle East. He's Iraqi. And he was uh, telling me, I'm shitting you not. He was like, look, all the girls that I hook up in the Middle East, like, I can't stand anymore. They just, like, they all do anal. And it's because it's the loophole. They have the loophole in the Middle East. Wow. Have you seen the Garfunkel and Oates song, The Loophole? The Loophole, yeah. Oh, it's the best. They are the funniest. And as somebody who was raised Catholic, I would just like to say, look, I went through the loophole first. That's um, that's a thing that <laughs> it's, it's not a visual. I like, yeah, you know. Oh yeah, mm, but it's a uh, it's it's so real. It's not even funny, and it's sad. And I didn't even realize because you know that there is the loophole thing in the states, but I feel like people don't take it as seriously unless like you're really young or from the South or super Catholic or Christian or whatever. Yeah. Or more likely you just want it as an excuse to bang your girlfriend's asshole. Correct. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing that I had a problem with Jafar's brother, the completely unnecessary sex scene is the only person in this movie who is uncircumcised. Oh, oh and there oh. is no chance that this presumably right? Muslim guy is not going to be circumcised. Shit. There is no chance that that would they be the case. did not do their work on that. They did not. This is what you get from being a completist and watching the porn. Well done, sir. Well, fast forwarding, but, you know, I'm sensitive to foreskin, personally. <laughs> I miss, you know, like, I'm like, oh, foreskin. That's jealous. Aw. <laughs> You're like, I could have, I could have had it. I yeah. We were together far too briefly. 
Oh. Oh, thanks, Dad and Mom. Thanks, Judaism. Do we want to get to how we wrap this up, how we wrap this porn up? Oh, my God. I have so many more notes. Well, let's go over them. Okay. First of all, somebody said, I think it's Ron Jeremy who says, so that's the way I like it. As in, that's the uh, way I like it. But does anybody know who Anwar Sadat is? I mean, that was the least topical joke in history. No. He was the president of president, prime minister, whatever it was of Egypt in the late seventies, who made a peace treaty with Menachem Begin in Israel. It was, I mean, I was a child and a Jew, so of course I knew who Anwar <laughs> Sadat was. But who the hell is in two thousand seven watching a porn is going to know that reference? That was amazing. What was the reference exactly? Like he he was saying like that's the way I like it. He was kind of that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. So he was doing that song bit, but he said Sadat's the way I like it. Uh, so, Sadat, as in Anwar Sadat, because he's of course Middle Eastern. That would make sense. But. So ridiculous. I appreciate that, actually. I appreciate that a lot. He's old enough to know. That's funny. A few other things. The training montage was set to a very similar song to Eye yes. of the Tiger. That was Did you guys yeah. catch that? Very, very Rocky Three training. That was, that um, was good. When they had the map of the palace, there's nothing on it. There's like a map with a palace and like a road. That's the whole map. <laughs> like, great. You got the map. There was the character named, oh, wait, hang on, hang on. The Hussein's guards are dressed exactly like the swordsmen in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> That's a fact. The British agent Watson put a silencer on his gun, and in the next scene, the silencer is not there. Uh, they blew up a Jeep. They, they blew up a Jeep, up and Jeep. I was impressed with the effect. They, the rocket launcher effect, the Jeep blowing up. I mean, the comedy part of it was telegraphed a mile away. It wasn't funny anymore, but they clearly, that's where some of the budget went. So there was this character, Miranda, who... H&M. And she kills people with a fan. Do you know who I'm talking about? She was the one who had the fight scene with Stormy at the end. Right. Another point, the fight scenes between the guys were better than they had to be. And the fight scenes with the women were terrible. I was also pissed off because Miranda had a gun pointed at Stormy and didn't use it and decided, nah, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do fist-to-fist combat and or fist-to-fan combat. And another thing, and another thing. You wouldn't do that. She skydives for no particular reason. That was where they put some more money. I think it was the actress. Yeah, it looked quite a bit like it. And it looked like if it wasn't, they put way too much work into faking it. So I really think it was her. Maybe she just really wanted to skydive. Yeah, maybe she's into it. I don't know. We have to look up who she is and find out. Give her a call. Her fan thing was not good. Um, Anyway, uh, Stormy does wear Lara Croft's outfit. I like that. I liked Hussein's flag, and I don't remember what was on it. Uh, They also had, like Eye of the Tiger, they had James Bond music. Subtly changed enough. I wrote here that the six years of marriage line got funny after the 10th time. (laughs) Um, The Jafar virtual sex scene had more of that really annoying grid effect, like screen door over it. Like, why? You're just trying to annoy me. The book on how to disassemble a nuclear bomb that George was reading had absolutely no graphics or diagrams in it. It was just text. I thought that was very funny for some reason. I mean, that's how I learned. I have another note about how the fist fights were surprisingly better than they needed to be. I figure some of these guys have gotten into fist fights. Somewhere there was a sign that said dangerous rocket alert. I, I just wrote that down. I don't know where that was. And then Evan Stone shows up. Yeah. Yeah. As Mutt the Bounty Hunter. I've rewound that scene because I was like, wait, what? 
Am I seeing this right? It caught me off guard because I was not expecting then, all of a sudden. Two very famous male porn performers, Ron Jeremy and Emmett Stone, in a scene, and neither of them are having sex with anybody throughout the movie. And one of them we actually want to see have yeah. sex. Uh, yes, at most one. And but yes. unfortunately, yeah. like, Mutt the Bounty Hunter, so he basically comes in, you know, to capture Saddam Hussein towards the very end. He's there for, like... You keep going with Saddam. I don't know. Let's be honest. That's who he was implied to be. Modeled after, perhaps? The point is that... (laughs) I don't know why I'm annoyed by this. Mud comes in and then immediately, like, after claiming, attempting to claim his bounty is murdered. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) And then I I never saw Dog the Bounty Hunter, but I understand that the woman he was with was meant to be Dog the Bounty Hunter. has got a woman with him that fills a similar role. But that was such a bad not even half-ass attempted a man in drag that i don't know yeah it's just like that really seemed like an afterthought like she was doing a favor to somebody or vice versa like oh you could be in the movie here throw this wig on and i was disappointed here's my question how do you guys feel about the fact that george and rachel at the end reconciled their marriage if they were going for kind of a an homage to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which they had a lot of like hat tips to that one, then it's what happened in that movie too, and I'm not surprised. But at the same oh. time, I'm also like, come on, you should have left him. He was kind of a dick when you were doing, just at the beginning of them, why would you stay with him? Have why? we all seen the Star Wars movies, the most recent one? And yeah. Ray kisses, because what's of his name at the end? You get, there's this thing which makes sense to me that people who would have some kind of attraction to each other go through an incredibly stressful experience. There will be some kind of, they're emotionally going to pull together. I understand that, but it's fake. I mean, it's clearly temporary and it's as it would be in real life. It would not heal the marriage. Yeah, it would not fix anything. This relationship needs counseling, not a secret mission. Right. Those two are going to fuck like bunnies for like a week. Then they're going to fuck like normal adult humans in a marriage that seems okay for a month. And then they're going to go back to hating each other. Right. Which is why, by the way, if you'd rewatch Raiders of the Lost Ark, you will discover that they absolutely say, although it's not abundantly obvious that Harrison Ford's character banged oh Mary's my god yeah. when she was 15 what? yeah oh yeah you, she says oh, yeah. she says quite bluntly I was a child I was a child and you knew it was wrong but the ages actually uh, are, if you do some math you'll not figure much it out math. it takes yeah. very little looking around to go oh man Indy was a scoundrel the actor who what's her name Karen Allen was 30 when they yeah. made the movie so she and it was 10 years later so from an actor perspective, she'd be fine. But he was an assistant professor. So we can kind of get his age. So we could kind of extrapolate her age. Anyway, and, you know, he also, Harrison Ford also rapes Sean Young in Blade Runner. You know, the, you can't, movies are terrible yeah. when it comes to these kind of relationship dynamics of who falls in love with who after horrible, horrible treatment. And people used to, like, Harrison Ford's version of masculinity has long been looked at as, like, he's a man's man. But you look back now, like, at the current lens, or through the current lens at his characters, oh, there is some problematic behavior, my friends. I actually thought it was a nice touch in the Blade Runner sequel how Ryan Gosling is much more representative yeah. of a modern version of what that could be. Yeah. Whatever. We're way off topic here. Um, We're allowed to be. Our entire show is tangents, basically. Okay. I, have, I have three more notes. <laughs> <laughs> three more notes. One is, at the end, there's this whole 
dance scene where apparently all the extras and crew uh, the conga are line? doing a conga line, whatever. And that didn't turn into an orgy. Seemed like you mean the one with the terrorists or the one at the end when they're celebrating? They're celebrating, they're celebrating at the very yeah. end. You have everybody in the room. You've already done three hours. Like, why not? Just, yeah. you know, we haven't had a proper orgy. We had two British guys banging a bunch of harem girls. Yeah, we could do better than that. They very rarely turn it into an everyone's naked at the same time moment in one of these, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah it's not. Mm-hmm. It's rare that you see like double penetration in one of these. Like there's there's some things that when you get, you're like, ooh, Wait, that's unusual. What is one of these? Like it, a big it, budget movie? Yeah, a long form scripted porn. Like uh, it's when you see double penetration, it's like, oh, you gave us a treat today. Like it's <laughs> like you'll like it's not unusual to get like uh you know two guys and a girl, but more often you'll see two girls and a guy. You always right. get a scene with two women, uh, but right. like a, just a plain old gangbang, it's like, oh, right. what? Right. Uh, or a giant orgy with just everyone going at it, like, oh, thank you. You you went all out for us. Like, that's they're just not common. So when they happen, they're nice. You know, it always makes me wonder, like, what are the rules when it comes to making a parody? And why do some people feel like they need to stick to them? Because it feels like they could go into na- in a natural progression into something very different. So like, for example, I we've had this complaint a number of times, like whether it be who's Nalen Palin, where, you know, you got the Sarah Palin character, she's opening her doors to, to Russian men because, excuse you, BJ, she could see him from her house. I, yeah, especially with dicks that big. But the point is like, that was <laughs> like assuming. a natural progression DP scene and it didn't happen. Oh, uh-huh. that's just wrong. Exactly. It happens fairly often that if there's a scene with uh, one woman and two men, they just it won't turn into to a DP scene. Like, <laughs> and that's just. I don't know if it's just because they think the audience for, you know, that the audience that comes to see one of these log scripted porns is like, no, 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 we'll, we want to see a, a script and, and a funny thing and a lot of people banging, but don't you dare put it into both holes. This is the kind of stuff I'm really interested in about behind the scenes. Like, I want to know about budget considerations. How far in advance do you have to plan? Like, if a woman's going to show up on set and she's, you know, got a scene planned with this guy, if they're like, oh, well, we got a schedule opportunity, like, how about these two guys? Is that the kind of thing that happens? Or are they very rigid and structured in what they're doing? Well, if they're doing anal... Uh, I'm, I'm curious about all this stuff. Well, anal requires prep. Exactly. So, like, obviously, DP is going to require prep. By the way, if you guys don't know what prep is, like, aside from, you know, enemas, clean, you know, yourself out down there, uh, generally, a lot of these actresses don't eat for, like, a day. So, they're doing it for you. (laughs) There is work that goes into and out of that. Right. I suppose. But there's other opportunities like you know again two girls one guy kind of thing like throw a second girl into the mix are there pre-budgeted considerations but i don't know the money part of it is so interesting to me i want to find out once in a while you'll see a scene that was like filmed that's just been sitting around that kind of fits like added in as a post-credit scene or you'll see like like clipped in somewhere and we see that sometimes we're like that scene didn't really make sense and you know we'll be interviewing the director later and they'll tell us oh we just had that sitting around and we added in somebody else actually filmed it it was from another studio (laughs) maybe that's what jafar's brother was all about yeah like those kind of things happen occasionally Uh, in the credits i noticed Two, I know I'm jumping to the end, but the, it's okay. We're there at the are end, two basically. credit items that I found very interesting. One of them was Weapons Master. Weapons Master's name was Frank Castle. I know that name. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Frank Castle is the Punisher. 
Yeah. I think, right? I didn't yeah. look this up. I'm going to sound stupid if I... Yeah, yeah. Frank Castle's The Punisher, which incidentally is one of the better Marvel mm. TV shows. Did he choose that name? That's like an odd... It feels like one that someone would choose. Like, right? here, here's my subtle little, you know... I'm Frank Castle, but the best name. I feel like somebody should name their dick Frank Castle. I'll name my dick Frank Ooh. Castle. Uh, I have yet to figure out a good name for my dick, but that that's clearly taken now because it was your idea. Fine. I'll keep thinking. The best name in this entire movie is the dog. In the credits, the dog's name is Munch Daniels. That is Stormy's dog then. Munch Daniels is the greatest name. I mean, yeah, it's got to be Stormy's dog, but Munch. That's that's adorable. So cute. And the fact that they interrogated a dog. I loved it so much. Munch. 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 Munch Daniels. (laughs) That's so cute. We just, Stormy, we really want you on the show. And we're just saying your, your little dog Munch is welcome too. Yes. We'll have a whole separate episode for Munch where we're going to interrogate him. And the show guest, BJ, thinks you're very, very pretty. (laughs) You are. She is very pretty. We know she's not listening to this. I know, but you know, things could happen. One day, someone could just slip the sewer and be like, hey. I'm sorry I went over, we went over way too many technical issues when it came to like sarin gas or nerve gas. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, I said I liked the movie. Yeah, we did. We had fun. And I tried to buy it on DVD and it wasn't in stock. I mean, I guess if I ordered it online, I could have had it. I wish I would have thought of it earlier. Can we do another one? I'm going to buy it online and have it shipped. And then... <laughs> Your perfectionist streak is showing. You're like, I can, know, we re- I, can we re-record the whole episode so that I can have the no, box with... Uh, how about this? How about this? We will do... I, I'll get it to you afterwards. And we'll oh all watch God. the extras and we'll do a Patreon-only <laughs> oh you know, discussion. Oh, my God. You are... Can we do this? It would make me happy. Do it for me. I can't say no to content when we're stuck. I'm stuck in my attic anyway until I have a vaccine. So, I mean, would we deny our patrons bonus content from... I'm going to get the DVDs. (laughs) You guys see if you can get Stormy Day. She's very famous now. Can we We get... We try. We keep trying. Like, okay. So we have tried a lot. In my defense. Okay. So Stormy, you gave me the verbal okay. You told me to contact your agent. Your agent told me you wanted some sort of monetary compensation. Girl, we're a podcast. (sighs) You know you have a podcast. We are broke. I'm supported via Patreon, and you know that everyone who's supporting me via Patreon is likewise broke right now because it's a pandemic. So please just come hang out with us for an hour. We're not creeps. As a backup, if we can't get her, Randy Spears, I'm almost certain in the credits was a producer on this or he was he was involved more than a, a performer so i mean he's not busy he's not still working is he i don't know but i did love his work in space balls oh yeah oh space balls is space amazing balls. you didn't have to rename it that's fantastic it's, oh no no no, oh, no space, space nuts, nuts. space I'm sorry. nuts Oh, well, either way. Space, Space Nuts, Nuts was so... F- it, it had so many great little porny things in it. It's just... They, <laughs> oh. Oh, it was so good. Or Stephen St. Croix, if that was him. Something St. Croix, Stephen St. Croix. Yeah, I mean, any of these people, if you can get them for us to go through the behind the scenes of this movie, oh. my heart would be warmed for years. I would love it forever. I wonder how hard we'd have to twist Tommy Gunn's arm to get him onto an episode. Oh, man, he'd be great, oh, too. He would be. Let's see what we can do. If you could get him, then I would also have us watch whatever behind-the-scenes outtakes there are from Pirates as well. 
that's the thing, though. Like, we've had Evan Stone, and he, you know, gave us some insights on, like, the behind the scenes of pirates and different things of, like, him breaking a uh, breaking oh. beds and things oh, yeah. like that. By the way, we have a full interview with Evan, so go back, listen to that. If you haven't listened to our interview with Evan fucking Stone. Right. I believe that was the name of the episode, too, was Evan fucking Stone. He's pretty charming. He's so charming. He was very sweet when we met him, so. Now, that said, we do have a Patreon episode, even though we keep alluding to potentially recording more. So we talked about actually, uh, so me firing someone, Yvette's Y chromosome and Jewish weddings. Jewish menstruation. Let's be serious. So this is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So patreon.com slash two girls on mic hit the support button. You guys for five bucks a month can listen to this pre episode, which is like 30 minutes as well as like 20 other episodes of, you know, Yvette and I are talking about with random past guests that we've had. Uh, so BJ, where can our listeners find more of you, by the way? They can't, and that's by design. I, I'm, <laughs> right. not, I'm not a public person. BJ, if uh, one day you decided to become a brand, people would be on board for this. Like people would buy tickets to the BJ show. Uh, wow. I have bought tickets to the BJ show. Not this one, though. I've done other podcasts, uh, particularly uh, talking about my departure from Orthodox Judaism, which, you know, there's some good stories there. Oh my God. Can I tell a totally unrelated BJ story? Yes. That has yeah. nothing to do with anything, but it's actually, it's a blowjob story. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, yes it's sure. a personal blowjob story that makes me happy. And just because why not? You're so, here. Tell it. Years ago, I took a date to a friend's birthday party and she was a lot, yeah, the birthday girl was a lot younger. We was at this little teeny French restaurant in Manhattan that was kind of like a basement level thing. And my date was age appropriate for me and everyone else was much younger. And I think my date was feeling uh, a little self-conscious, a little, I don't know. But in order to compensate, she started getting very overtly aggressively sexual. I think she was jealous of all the young pretty people, whatever it was. And I was getting annoyed. But at one point, she whispered in my ear something like, you know, let's go into the bathroom and I'll blow you or something like that. And I was like, fine, fine. I'll call your bluff on this. Okay, let's <laughs> oh go. My God. And this is a cute little candlelit French restaurant. And the bathroom was like airplane bathroom size, this tiny, tiny little room. Jesus. And we squeeze in there and she like goes to the toilet, sits down and just goes to town on me. Just like she's actually following through on this. And I'm sure okay and i'm standing there enjoying myself my eyes closed and i'm smelling something what is that something's burning and i open my eyes and her hair's on fire what <laughs> there was a candle on a shelf behind the toilet and as she moved her head back and forth some hair got into the fire and her hair is like smoldering and there's smoke oh. and this is burning thing oh. and i am a terrible person but i briefly thought I could finish. <laughs> uh, maybe for about three tenths of a second before I realized oh I really need to put this out. <laughs> How bad was it? Of course, hair? I had to extricate myself first because I did not want her screaming in horror in that position. Yeah, that's oh my god. So I'm like, okay, let's 
put out your hair. How <laughs> like, badly what? burned was it? Not not too bad. She had very long, oh. beautiful hair, and it only got like the bottom few inches. Was it still long and beautiful after? I, just, I, it's oh very. She had great hair. Um, oh. I, I don't know. I didn't follow through on that of part hair. of it. Oh yeah, um, she was actually Jewish. Go figure. Anyway, oh, there's a BJ story for you. I almost let a girl's hair burn so that I could. But doesn't matter. I I did the right thing eventually. <laughs> I, I'm sure it was less than half a second of delay. But I'm, I would have made that same decision. Like <laughs> most people would have taken the second and been like, "Meh." Like there's that that hesitation. It's not unnatural, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Ladies, you've been that close. You can't say that you haven't been there. I don't yeah, even know like, if I was that close. I really don't. I mean, maybe I was nowhere. I mean, if if I was close, I would have hesitated. I'll be honest. Like sometimes an orgasm gets away from you and you're mad for like a week. I remember thinking like, it's burning slowly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's not like fire gets out of control really quickly ever. Yeah, have you ever burnt your hair? Oh I mean, my God, yes. Point, right? Yeah, yeah. It smells that burns, terrible. It burns fast. Does yeah. it? Oh. It goes, I mean, it's just, it goes. Maybe time has, you know, the circumstances made everything seem like it was slow motion. You became maybe. the flash. You were envisioning her, her head going very Michael Jackson on you very quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson. That's definitely what I was thinking about at the time. Oh, yeah. So, Yvette, where can our listeners find you? Y'all can find me at the Cybabe on Twitter and Instagram and over at Facebook.com slash Cybabe, where I am snarky and sciencey and giving up bi-weekly live streams trying to explain this pandemic hell that we're in. Alice, where can people find you and our podcast? I assume the podcast is no longer banned at this point uh, from Facebook <laughs> at TGM Podcast. I don't know. It's been a month. So, guys, sorry for not posting content. Uh. It's because I'm literally banned. But you guys can find the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at TGM Podcast. Of course, you can find us here every single week, Two Girls on Mike. Make sure to tell your friends, your family, uh, anyone you're seeing or not seeing for the holidays or over Zoom holidays. By the way, if you need someone to drop in on your Zoom calls and pretend to be like your girlfriend, look, economy's tight. I will be that Zoom girlfriend. I will get drunk. Oh, phew, I thought you were about to volunteer me. No. Uh. <laughs> If you need somebody to yell at your relatives uh, to not get together for the holidays, I'm available on Cameo. <laughs> Go hunt me down. If you need someone to tell you really strange facts about Orthodox Judaism, that's about all I'm qualified for. If you for. need someone to uh, cry and wonder why we're not engaged yet and then yell at your brother uh, and, you know, say political statements and then, you know, call him a racist after I run out of political facts. I could do that. Uh, there's a fee, but I could do it. Are, are you okay, Alice? Do you need a hug? The economy's hard this year. <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, I'm not it's... saying I'm I'm putting my services out there, but maybe not on Fiverr, but on this podcast. I'm just saying, hit me up on Cameo. I will send a video message to people for 20 bucks a pop to tell them to get their shit straight for the holidays. And I will nice. be your uh, non- straight as shit uh, girlfriend for the holidays. And a technical point for those who are still following along, if you watch Operation Desert Stormy and fast forward through all of the porn, <gasps> it will take almost exactly as long as this podcast, which is at about uh, two hours and 20-something minutes. Good times. And on that note... Oh, you can do it like Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz. You just sort of line them up. Be perfect. Oh, no. All right, guys. So uh, follow me, Alice, at Rational Blonde, but we'll also see you next week. 
Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.